Welcome to AmiSites, a podcast that offers you access to thought leaders who can help you expand your entrepreneurial toolbox. Learn from seasoned entrepreneurs who have already walked in your shoes and can help you with your day-to-day business decisions. With your host, Ami Kassar. Ami is the founder and CEO of Multifunding, an advisory company that helps you grow and stay in control of your business. Hello and welcome. My name is Ami Kassar, founder and CEO of Multifunding. Since 2010, Multifunding has helped businesses achieve their biggest growth goals through creative and personalized funding solutions, working with hundreds of lenders across the nation. Joining us today is my friend, Brooke Lively. Brooke is a CEO and founder of Cathedral Capital, a team of CFOs and profitability strategists who help entrepreneurs turn their businesses into profitable companies. Our main topics today will focus on the best advice for business owners about how to get on top of their numbers and stay in control of their businesses. Welcome, Brooke. Hey, thanks. Brooke, tell me everything. Oh my gosh, there's so much to tell you. <laughs> Why don't we start, let me maybe tell us a little bit about you and your background and how you started your company and when and why. So I started my company, I was working for my family's law firm. And, um, you know, frankly, I couldn't own any of it because I'm not an attorney. And that was frustrating. And I hired a guy to help with sales and marketing. And his clients started coming to me and saying, can you do for us what you're doing for your family? And it was in that moment that I realized you know, business owners don't start a business because they want to look at their numbers. They start a business because they're passionate about a service or a product. And the whole business part of it is kind of, you know, a surprise and intimidating. And so I just want to make it easier. I don't want entrepreneurs to have to suffer in silence and in isolation about this. What were you doing for your family business? Tell us about that experience and what you came in and what what happened and how you helped. Well, I was actually working for a hedge fund. And um, my father, who liked to ditch his partners every seven to 10 years, as an attorney, um, ditched his partners. And for the first time in, I don't know, 30 years, lost his, um, his practice manager. And so he said, will you come help me? Hedge fund in Dallas is like, you're an analyst. We don't care how many days a week you're in the office. Um, You can do it from Fort Worth. So I was in Fort Worth three days a week. I was in Dallas two days a week. And basically I helped him grow his law firm to, you know, seven figures in the first, I don't know, 18 months, if not less than that. And I really did it by serving as the CFO. I did it by taking a practice and really running it like a business and making data-driven decisions. Awesome. So you say to yourself, hey, I like this and this is cool and I want to turn it into a business. So what did you do next? Well, like I said, I had, I had hired a consultant. His clients came to me and said, you know, can you do this for us? And so I did. I told my father that when I got, I think it was seven clients, I was leaving him and he got like the daily countdown. 
how'd that go? Was he happy for you or sad or fearful or happy or angry or all those things above? You know, I come from a long line of entrepreneurs. So yeah, sure. Go out on your own. Do it. That's great. That's fabulous. Um, my brother, on the other hand, who also, who was my father's law partner, was like, wait a minute, you're leaving today? I'm like, yeah, I told you seven clients and I'm out and I just signed number seven. He's like, but, but like, I've been talking to you about this for two months. You've been getting the countdown. And he's like, well, I didn't think you'd actually do it. When, when was this? That was in 2013. Cool. So you start and you have seven clients and you start the service. And I imagine at this point, it's just you, right? It was just me in what I called the office. So I've got an office or a closet in my house that's uh, 10 by 20. And so I just installed myself in there. So it was the closet office, the office. And I started taking care of clients. And um, the guy that I had hired for marketing approached me and said, can you private label this for my clients? And I said, sure. And once I did that, I needed to hire more people. And so that was how we got started. How do you describe the core service that you offer a business owner or entrepreneur? What do you do and how are you different from, say, a CPA or a tax preparer or a bookkeeper or all that stuff? So we talk about the bus a lot. You know, you've got to have the right people on the bus and you have to have them in the right seats. And financial professionals sit in three different seats on the bus. There's the bookkeeper who's sitting in the back of the bus, looking out of the back of the bus, telling you what's already happened, right? Their job is to keep everything kind of, kind of going. Sitting next to them is your CPA, is your tax accountant. And occasionally he like yells up to the front of the bus to get more information. But really, he's also dealing with what's happened behind you. Your controller is sitting in the middle of the bus. And the controller is making sure that the bookkeeper's doing what they're doing and passing back information from the CEO and the CFO and all those C-suite people that are sitting in the front of the bus. And the front of the bus is the CFO who was working in tandem with all the other people leading the company. Now, for us, we are usually the first C-suite person that comes on. So we're usually working directly with the entrepreneur. But what's up ahead? What's coming? What do we see? What fabulous ideas is this entrepreneur having? And from a financial standpoint, what are we going to have to do to be ready to take that on? So like that was how you and I met, right? I had a client who needed financing. And so there we were trying to help that person out because we knew that they were expanding. We knew that there was stuff that was going to happen. We knew there was stuff up ahead on the road and we needed to prepare for it so that we could avoid it and not crash into it. Most businesses I know, sub $5 million, don't have controllers. Maybe they have a bookkeeper. Maybe their bookkeeper talks to their accountant. 
their accountant usually checks in once a year around tax time and they don't have a CFO. And is that a fair, accurate statement? Really describing our clients. Okay. So what do you do? You come in and are your clients all local or are they virtual or are they everywhere? So we're virtual. We've been virtual since day one. Uh, Yes, we had Zoom accounts before the pandemic and we're Mm -hmm. using them. So, you know, I think what makes us different from a lot of other CFOs is we bring in a whole team. So you get your CFO, who I've said looks out in the front. We also put an analyst on your team. And the analyst's job is really to crunch numbers because we believe in making data-driven decisions. So whether it's going into your practice management system or your ERP or whatever it is, it's going in and pulling out information and and telling us, the entrepreneur, the CFO, things that we might not have seen. We also put an accountant on the team. And the accountant, we do not do taxes in any way, shape or form. Not all accountants do taxes, but this is a support for your bookkeeper because we found we need to support your whole team. We can't just support the entrepreneur. We need to support the entrepreneur. We need to support the people who are supporting him or her. And so having an accountant that can answer questions for the bookkeeper, like, I don't know how to process this payment, or I'm stuck on this journal entry is really helpful. And in some cases, we do also do bookkeeping, at which point we'll put a bookkeeper on your team. Clients do you service? You know, we've got everything. We have, we do a lot of professional services. So attorneys, marketing agencies, um, because you asked me this, I'm going to forget like all the other service businesses, businesses that we do. And then we also work with companies. We work with people who sell, oh yes, the very sexy duct tape. Um, If you want lobster, fresh flown in from Maine, we've got a great client that does that. We've helped Hall of Fame athletes. So we help all kinds of people. So tell us about your business the month before the pandemic started. What was it like? How many clients did you have? What what, what was going on the month before the pandemic started? Yeah, I was... I wasn't in a pandemic at that point. I was probably in a panic at that point. Um, Marketing has been the hardest thing for me to crack and getting that steady thing of clients. So, you know, before the pandemic, I was out trying to find new clients and the pandemic hit and shockingly, everybody wanted to talk to their CFO and During the pandemic, we made some huge moves. We hired two people we were looking to hire as we went into the pandemic. We hired two CFOs, I think, like within the first couple of weeks of the pandemic. Um, During the pandemic was when we decided that we needed to have analysts because it didn't make sense to have a CFO digging in stuff. It wasn't a good use of their time or their resources. We could put a less expensive person on that project. Um, It was when we decided to go to the pod system. But just from a, you know, from a personal standpoint, 
everybody went into the pandemic. My friends are, are emailing me and calling and, and doing Zoom happy hours. And they're like, this has been awesome. My family's here. We love it. My house has never been so clean. I cleaned my baseboards with a toothbrush. Yes, I'm actually still friends with that woman. Um, like it was just, and I'm like, that is so not our experience. Our experience was we went from working, you know, kind of short weeks to working 80 hour weeks. We went to absolutely four o'clock every Friday afternoon, watching the press conference to figure out what was going to happen with the PPP loan. We, you know, we went into overdrive. And um, so I, I think I had a different pandemic experience from this, like, kind of relaxing one that other people had when they went home. I think the other funny thing were the conversations, I'm not married, and don't have children. So you know, whether I was working from the office or working from my house didn't make a difference. The team is virtual. They've always worked from home. But the conversations changed. We had things like, well, I had to have a discussion today about everyone now has a designated workspace. I'm like, okay. And then I asked one of my girls one day, I'm like, Claire, where's your camera? Oh, Michael stole it. He needed it. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then there's a new rule in our house. Just because I've left lunch on the kitchen counter does not mean it's there for somebody else to eat. It means that I've gotten called away and I'm coming back to finish it. So they were, they were funny conversations that I think a lot of people were having about how to work in a house with a lot of people. What did you see your clients going through during the pandemic? What, how did their support needs change? I think there was a lot of fear. I think there was a lot of uncertainty. I think you know, they didn't know, none of us knew how long this was going to last. So, you know, we became very proactive with our clients. We're like, go talk to the, to your leasing agent, negotiate a deal, put your, your mortgage, suspend your mortgage payments, you know, call your car loan people and tell them that you're not going to pay your car loan for a while, hoard cash, you know, because we didn't know, no one knew. So we spent a lot of time at the beginning doing that. And, and then just holding their hand and saying there is help on the way. And, you know, the PPP loan came out and there wasn't a lot of information. And then there was a lot of conflicting information. So, you know, we did a lot of our clients' PPP loan applications. We did their idle applications. We would sit on the phone with them sharing a screen, going, click this button. Now, now click that button. Okay, now right here, that's where you're gonna sign. <laughs> okay, please upload your PNL. Oh, you don't have, let me email you your PNL. So um, yeah, we built spreadsheets to support our clients. Um, you know, in the beginning, I think we all found that, that PPP forgiveness was easier than we thought it was gonna be, but we built spreadsheets to help clients easily determine how much to ask for in the PPP. And we built spreadsheets that basically spit out your forgiveness application. So, you know, we were just there to hold their hand and, and help them make decisions because I think for everybody, it was a scary, a scary time of just a scary time. What's going on today with your clients? 
I think more than anything, we're just watching their businesses explode. Most of our clients have seen big increases. They, the, the American public has not spent for two years and they're ready to spend. They're ready to do things. They're ready to accomplish. They're ready to celebrate. And our clients' businesses are really reflecting that. Awesome. What lessons did you learn during the pandemic? Hold cash. Cash is king. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we have a lot of clients that took idle money and it is sitting in an account. It's cheap money. Yeah, but I have a, a thought about that. It's sitting in the account and interest is accruing. Yes. And people think it's free, but let's say you have $2 million. That's like $80,000 a year of interest. That is. And have a plan mm-hmm. with what you want to do with the money, hopefully in compliance with the rules and regs of the idle oh, program. Please. In compliance. No, no, no. You cannot go off and start a new business with that money. Or buy a jet or all kinds right. of things I've heard. Or if you don't have a plan, give it back yep. or decide some amount of it that you want to keep in a reserve and that you're comfortable to pay that interest to have it in reserve, but give it back. But the amount of idle money that's sitting in people's bank accounts with no plan, I think people are going to have a lot of shock and awe when that first statement arrives and they realize that they've accrued interest during, during this time. Yeah, we, um, I absolutely agree with you. We have a number of clients that got it. Well, we have a couple of clients that got it and have nothing to show for it and they have no cash left. Uh, Despite the fact that we were telling them, you know, don't do this, don't do that. And we've got, we had a number that really took that money and used it for marketing. Most of our clients who are holding cash aren't holding two million worth. And they do have a plan to pay it back because you're right, that's a lot of interest every year. Why the name Cathedral Capital? Oh God, it's the dumbest name ever. So I mentioned that I was working at a hedge fund and we were thinking about going out and starting one on our own. And I used to live on Cathedral Avenue and there's this hike in Colorado my grandparents have a house in Colorado and, and there's this hike very near it up to Cathedral Lake. And, and that's kind of been a transformational hike in my life at, at different points. And so we're like, yes, Cathedral Capital. Well, I had the name, I had the URL and I really quickly one day needed a company because I was, I was doing some work for the courts. And, um, I was like, well, it's sitting there. So I used it and now I'm stuck with it. <laughs> I'll tell you a secret. You're not stuck with it. You can change it. You can, you can rebrand. Well, we talk about it a lot. So actually our URL is CathCap and it's what we call the company. And so, you know, talking about planning and looking out in the future, we do plan, we do look in the future and it is not on this year's to-do list, but we do think within the next three years, we're going to rebrand as CAFCAP. 
Well, again, that's not why you my unsolicited two cents, not what we should be talking about on a podcast, is first time I heard your few names, when I hear the name Capital in the name, I think you're some kind of fund or some kind of a lender. I know. And we've started going to some trade shows and like, we're like, hi, we don't lend money. <laughs> so you have a, it's just, if, if I was looking at a list of interim CFOs or part-time CFOs or this or that, and I looked at your name, I would say that's a mistake. <laughs> yeah, we, we've, yeah. Are you involved in EO? I am. So why don't you tell you, tell, if you don't mind, tell our listeners a little bit about that and how that's helped your journey. So EO stands for Entrepreneurs Organization, which is kind of like caffeine for me. So, <laughs> All right. Um, I might hold the record as the longest member of EO Accelerator. So for those of you that don't know, the Accelerator program was designed to help companies go um, from 250,000 to a million in two years. So in 2015, when I was joining EO, I fired my biggest client. So I mentioned that I had a client that I was private labeling for, and um, I fired him. And making that decision was really hard, and I managed to blow up most of my relationships with clients outside of him. So by the time I told him I was not going to renew his contract, he was 94.3% of my business. And that was devastating to my business. But here I was in EO Accelerator. I now didn't even meet the minimum of $250,000 a year, but I didn't want to admit that. So man, I scrambled. And EO was there to help me put some great things in place. So the accelerator program runs on a combination of um, gazelles of um, scaling up and uh, Vern Harnish's book and Gina Wickman's book, Traction, which are very similar in, in a lot of ways. But accelerator has four meetings a year, four one-day meetings, and they talk about strategy. Uh, one strategy, one's people, one's execution, and one is all about money. And those learning days were helpful, but what was more helpful was the group of entrepreneurs around me that had been through it, were going through it, or were about to go through it, that understood my journey. So one of the things I said earlier was that a lot of entrepreneurs kind of suffer in silence and isolation. And EO, it gets rid of that. It gives you a forum. It gives you people to talk to. It, it, it gives you a place where you're not the only one and where everyone has done this before. And um, so, yeah, so I did finally graduate, you know, after, I mean, I really did. I had, I, I mean, it was like, what did I have? About $1,500 a month in revenue after I fired him. It was really, <laughs> it was really pathetic, but I love it. And, and now I've met people all over the world. I went and did the um, Global Speakers Academy, 
which was fabulous. And that was great because all of a sudden I was in a room with 20 people that you just immediately know and immediately identify with and, and can immediately really have open, honest conversations. Did EO help you through the pandemic? Um, yes, in a couple of different ways. Um, first, I, I'm EO Fort Worth. So Fort Worth had, for a while, I swear they were daily meetings where like, you know, you got on and, and people were sharing information and that was helpful. But how it really helped my business was an unanticipated thing. Um, EO has a lot of Facebook pages. And so everyone in EO was on the Facebook pages asking questions. How do I qualify for the PPP? I don't understand about idle. How do I do this? How do I do that? And because that was my business, because this was all financial, I could answer all those questions. And, and so, you know, people kept saying, Ooh, go ask Brooke that just like everybody comes to you about anything SBA, because, you know, in EO, you've got all those answers, which is fabulous. And, um, I actually kind of picked up some clients, which wasn't my intent, but, you know, by helping people, by sharing my knowledge, yeah. The more you give, the more you get. Uh, yeah. So, Brooke, if our listeners want to learn more about your services, which we're looking forward to the rebrand, <laughs> I hope I'm inspiring you to do that. Um, I know some great EO members I could refer you to help you with that. <laughs> um, where do they go and where do they find you? So you can find us at cathcap.com, C-A-T-H-C-A-P.com. Um, and we're all over social media, same thing. Uh, we're usually Cathedral Capital on social media, but the best place to find us is our website, cathcap.com. Awesome. Brooke, great to talk to you. Thank you for all your ideas and thoughts, inspiration. I know our listeners appreciate it. See you on the EO channels or on the EO conferences or wherever we get together next. And I wish you Godspeed. Thanks, you too. Thanks for joining us today on AMI Sites with your host, AMI Kassar, the foremost SBA thought leader. Make sure you visit us at multifunding.com where you can meet our advisory team and learn more about how we help entrepreneurs fund their future.